You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation about career, family, relationships, and all things modern culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang. And this episode is a doozy. I'm so excited to be sitting here in the actual living room because right now with all our listeners, we're in our virtual living room, but I'm in the actual uh, living room of my dear friend, Pamela. Hello. And can you, I, I don't want to miss say your last name. I know. It happens. It's Ribbon. Ribbon. Like See? there's two Bs. Like there's two Bs. Pamela Ribbon, who's one of the most amazing people. I have not even just women, just people I've met in the last, what, has it been a year? <laughs> She's not just a woman. She's a person. <laughs> She's a person. We're going to keep that in and I'm not editing that out because that was my truthful heart speaking. No, I feel it. That's a real compliment. <laughs> because people keep specifying. We can talk about this. Because I've been getting like, oh, the best, you know, yeah. the best female director. And I was yeah. like, what about if she was just a director? She's just a person. So I'm being very cognizant. Someone said recently to me, I was um, doing a, what do you call it? Like a round table type of thing. Uh-huh. And he said, you know, I worked with, and I was ended up being the only woman in the room. And they had a whole, like, we called a lot of other women, you know. They were all so busy. And I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> Did you call 70 other men, too, and you only got this nine? But I, they said, this guy was like, you know, I worked on this other thing. And there was just one other woman in there. And she ended up being, like, the funniest one in the room. And I said, well, was she a poodle? <laughs> I don't understand. Why is that remarkable? She was a funny human? Yeah. Was she a dog? Did she? Was she made of... <laughs> Like, minerals? Like, what? What about it? What about it? Because it can't just be the female part was the surprising. Yeah. It was? um. See, and this is why I feel like I've been primed and programmed to just, at this juncture in history, to just note it. You know what I mean? It's become like a default. It's really... You were adding... But no, you did the other thing. You made person the compliment. You Mm -hmm. like, you were... She's default female. Check it out. Also good human. Because that's... (laughs) That's a real compliment. It well, is. Yes. Now we'll be like humans in film. These humans are our new panels. In film. Genuine humans. The most amazing humans we've ever met. We curated the top humans. How to break into this industry while being a human. While That's being a hard human. Thing. You know? Yeah. And like, this is why I was so excited to talk to you. By the way, I'm like, I'm so excited to talk to you. I didn't even introduce... Uh, your title? Do you want to introduce your like? I am the president of my living room. President of the living room <laughs> and this home here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. CEO. Yeah. The founder of your co-founder of your family. <laughs> yes, co-founder. That's co- true. Co-creator of That's your true. daughter. Co-creator of my kid. Um, so many people went into that. No, I. Uh, what do I do? <laughs> I write. How many people went? Into um, that's none of your business. Look, there are doctors. Doesn't matter. Uh, like to think, like gynecologist. Yeah. They're, they're um, yeah. I write. I perform. I'm doing some directing. I'm yeah. I work in film and TV and books and comic books and all the things. All the things. You it's give expanding. Me, you open a window a crack. I'll be like, what's in here? Exactly, I'm and coming. that's why we're here to talk about that. <laughs> I so I the backstory was I got to meet Pam in Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. where we met at a, a conference. Specifically for girls and women in film. Yeah, and humans. And humans who are human also girls. happen to be humans. <laughs> and the Girls Impact the World Film Festival. Girls Impact the World Film Festival, which was 
one of the coolest experiences. I had, again, like many things, had no idea what the heck I was getting myself yeah, into. Me either. And I was just honored to be invited. And I checked out their website. And it. I love that it was a lot of younger women, like teenagers, mm-hmm. high schoolers, who are, who are making films and Good things. Good films. Really good things. I was they just had so like, much to say and they were so good it was so impressive and speaking of which I sat next to you and I didn't you know this oh this is just I'm just hanging myself out to dry I didn't do all the homework that I could have to read up on my fellow panelists which I've totally admitted this in another podcast but I was just surrounded by this amazing panel of women humans yeah (laughs) (laughs) and it was just one of the coolest hours of my life to hear everybody talk about not just their careers but what they've been through Mm -hmm. and and you know the hurdles and and the stories and and you're one of them yeah thank you you are too it was it was a fun group of people yeah who were all so empowering and um giving yeah yeah 100 percent. and i have a question to start first of all Pam, mm-hmm. what do you, what do you, I feel like honestly at this point, empowering has been kind of become this trite word <laughs> because everybody says it. I feel terrible because that's the name of the conference that I'm going to be running, <laughs> but I love the word, but I feel like sometimes people have different interpretations of it. And I know this is like a cheesy question, but what does that word mean to you? Because I use it a lot in my everyday conversation and when I'm speaking in hyperbole, all the things. What what do you when you say, oh, it's empowering to you, what does that mean to you? Like what does that invoke? Uh agency. Agency. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Right. I think at that conference is when I started saying I I I retired the word mentor. Okay. <laughs> right. Like why? Why do we call it like that's the part of the problem it starts with the idea that you have to be under someone's wing, that you are mm. um, you are a toy to be put in a box and wait for someone to say, like, you're ready. You know, you like, may have come out of the my, box. But not no. too far. Don't do it. Oh, I'm clipping those wings. Yeah. There's a little chain on your tiny beak. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I thought a leg. That's so sad. Right. I, I do get it sadder. I'm yeah. going to make it a little sadder. Because you can't sing. But the idea of amplifying people, empowering people gives them agency. Empowering people gives them the respect to rise to the occasion of their own worth and their own dreams. Yeah. Right. And I think, I don't know that empowering is necessarily overused, but just like employing, it means something different to other people. Like I've employed all these people. Right. (laughs) Well, are they better for it? (laughs) (laughs) There's so many more questions after that statement. Yeah. Yeah. I love that word. I think you can think you've empowered someone by one could think they've empowered someone by acknowledging them. Mm. And that is not empowering someone in the way that I think you are meaning or the way that I'm meaning you empower someone by giving them a platform, a place to go, a lift, you, you know, power, there's force behind it. That's the whole point, right? You give someone force. So that to me is agency because you can't just pick someone up and throw them, (laughs) right? They may not want that. They may not be ready. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And it's not empowering. That's uh, forcing. Yeah. Yeah. I just said it needs a force, but it's there for it's giving. It's a different type of force. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's and it's 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 interesting because I feel like a lot of people that I've heard recently, a lot of people have been using this word, which I am not against. But the way that the context in which they're saying the word, sometimes it sounds more just like an emotional, inspirational feeling, Mm -hmm. which 
I don't, you know, minimize because I think that that's really important. I think it is important to feel it, you know, really truthfully in yourself that, oh, I can do this. And mm-hmm. that is agency of like, I can get up and write this thing or. Yeah, that's validation. Right. right. So some people maybe just need to be validated. They just need to feel seen. And then that's so a, many of us. They give themselves the permission to be themselves. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of that. And speaking of permission, like I, in my mind, you know, having having the opportunity to get to know you this this last year is just really, really great because the stories that you have of how you have been provided agency or given yourself agency or like really just made moves to me is very inspiring. It's very, um, I don't know. I just, there's certain people that I meet that I'm like, when I'm around them, I feel like I can go mm. something about that. And that's personally, I get that. I gush a lot. I'm like, everyone's <laughs> hype woman, but I feel that when I'm, um, even just thinking about the work that you've done because it's so inspiring and it's, and I personally, maybe it's the way that we're thrown so much information and like all sorts of inspiring things at, I'm not inspired by everything anymore the way Mm. I used to be. Maybe there's like a desensitization (laughs) happening. So I'm pretty sensitive. Like, oh, no, that's really inspiring. I'm genuinely like, I I really believe that I can do something Mm. because I've seen this person do it. And I think you're one of those people. Oh, well, oh, well, thanks. I think you're, I'm just going to turn this to, let's do a therapy session. A therapy you, session love fest. You're, it's not that you're desensitized. You're just becoming more sensitive. Mm-hmm. So some things aren't inspiring you because you've either already gone down that road or it just isn't speaking to you. You have a more refined taste and you have a more sense a stronger sense of self. Mm-hmm. So when you see something that really speaks to you, it's a more finely tuned version of you than the one before who was like, what is this world? Everything's great. You know, like I'm here, right? I'm here, everybody. You're wonderful. And the sky is blue. And then you got like a lot of rejections and people were like, not you, mm-hmm. not you, not you, not the specifically not you. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. So then these things that come around where you're like, that's great kid. Have a good time. Right. Like yeah. you're inspired. You're like, I remember that. I remember that feeling when the sky was always that shade of blue. Right. And the now, clouds are puffy, and it was just... Yeah, and I can be anything. <laughs> and then then you kind of figure out who... You stop trying to be everybody. You stop trying to fit everyone's needs, mm-hmm. and you start realizing, like, I can only really be me yeah. and speak to the person that I am, no matter how weird or different or, or annoying. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I embrace all facets of myself. <laughs> I'm not talking about you. But, you know, I am, I got very used to, that's too weird, that's too bold, that's too loud, that's too, I don't understand. Yeah. And then you're like, well, I'll, I I spent a lot of time trying to fit what someone else was looking for, and in the end, you're like, I don't know what I have at the end of that. Yeah. And I don't know who I am when I do that really well, mm-hmm. because you're giving yourself over there. So now what inspires you is stuff that is really speaking to you, because you've gotten rid of, like, bullshit. Okay, we were cussing. Yes. But you've gotten sure. rid of, like, a lot of bullshit. So you're, 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 it's a better place. That's what I feel. It's a clearer place. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it's funny that you say, well, even like the annoying part, um, I've, it's funny, the self-awareness that comes with pursuing a creative thing, because you have to be aware that there's certain, what's not even just your objective, but like, what's the thing that's getting translated here? If you're going to do this, is this character annoying? Mm-hmm. What are the you know, what are the synchronicities that constitute annoying? There's the characters that you can write, say these things and act this way and they can be annoying. And like, that's a part of me, even the bad side, again, that I've been trying to just bad things that I've 
really been learning to embrace because I was monitoring everything in every way that I would say and do yeah. what I did. Let me tell you what my mother would find annoying. Seinfeld. Right? Like, <laughs> she would have just said, hard pass. Right? So, no. No. Just all of it, no. Every well, sound, no. Well. Just all of it. Even now, but she's why? like, oh. I like mean... their success is really confusing to her. So, what you're annoying, what you're labeling as annoying is someone else's jam, right? Exactly. So, yeah. I was recognizing that. I was like, oh, I can fulfill someone's needs through my annoyingness. Yeah. Because I would say, oh, the fact that I'm so opinionated mm. is like, to somebody annoying and I've been told that mm-hmm. so then yeah, like oh I can't say what I think anymore because I don't want to get my feelings hurt that I'm annoying by this person by this person was this person in charge oh multiple there are multiple persons men and persons in charge uh-huh. that in different ways communicated to me that's enough sure and okay like are you done or you know mm-hmm. there's different markers that I'm like oh that's not that's not a desired behavior. That's not a, and but and that's 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 the bullshit that I've been deprogramming out of my brain to be like, you know what? I have thoughts, and so do other people. And there's a lot of other people I could see being annoying to the whoever, mm. and I still think that they're great because I learned something from them. I was entertained by them. Mm-hmm. I'm now like enlightened in a different way. Right, but that's the thing. You, this person who might have thought you were annoying was maybe just not a great fit for you where you were. But right. you also learned how to play that card where you still got to be yourself mm-hmm. and you just hid from this person the things they didn't want to see so that you could have the job, right? right. This is all an important part of... Or the relationship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because something will come out of that later where yeah. you don't have to have that guard up or you'll be in the position that this guy was in and you'll remember what it feels like to be looking up to someone yeah. emotionally even though you're not thinking of it because you're the boss. And yeah. you're like, we're just doing work here. And like, no, she's looking for like life validation from you. <laughs> yeah. Because she's bigger. Ne- yeah, you're bigger and you're, you're in the tall chair at the front of the table. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you'll be a more mindful boss. And you you were talking about that on the panel, too, just like, or you alluded to that, you, how you've definitely gone through the similar situation of being, you know, I'm too weird, like you are just saying, like, oh, I'm too weird, I'm too this. Mm-hmm. What were your, so your, your twos were... There's so many. <laughs> I want to celebrate them is why. I'm not asking I've to, left, like, relive traumas, but... I've left many meetings going, I was too me! Like, <laughs> I was, oh, darn it! I gave him all of me on the first shoot meeting. And even no, look, even my husband, like six months in, he was like, "Are you a profoundly different person than I've been led to believe?" And it was, it, it was because I totally stands at him. I was like, uh, it was an experiment. I didn't think we were going to even date. He didn't even live here. I was uh-huh. like, this guy. I wonder what happens if I don't give him a mixtape. <laughs> <laughs> You mean you didn't show up outside? I didn't didn't tell him I thought he was great. I didn't, like, call him. Uh, My friend Laura House, who's a comic, had this thing about when you first start dating someone, you think about them so much that you always want to contact them. Like, you're driving your car and you see, like, a ad for steak and you're like, I wonder if he likes steak. I'm going to call him. (laughs) And and, (laughs) I'm just going to find out. Just a quick call. Just a quick call. Do you like steak? Thinking about you, bye. Um, And I was like, don't do that. Like, don't, let's see what happens if you just don't do any of your instincts. (laughs) Find every one of them. Reader, I married him. But it's, (laughs) but it was, it was, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it because at six months he was like, wait, who are you? And I was like, (laughs) sorry, um, we met. um, I'm going to make you a mixtape. <laughs> and then I'm going to make you dinner. And then I'm going to cuddle. And then we're going to watch 
some shows you probably don't want to watch. You Can know, we get up and watch the sunrise too. Yeah. And I think I did this in my career too. I I went through like, oh, I guess I'm supposed to be this kind of. I don't know that I was ever not me, but I I would dole out the amount of me because mm-hmm. I can be a lot. <laughs> I've, I too have felt this every day of my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. So you, yeah. you just learn how to like ration or like, well, you know what it is? Serving I sizes. Here's, here's what it is. I stopped thinking this is, um, my audition for my whole self and started remembering this is a mutual, uh, audition. And when you're in these rooms, right? Mm-hmm. When you're in an interview or even a pitch, like I'm actually supposed to find out if I want to work with you too. So I don't have to come out like, well, hello, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> with a hat and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and a cane. And a cane and <laughs> here are the reasons I'm great. Like you just, I don't normally sing this much either. I love it. This is turning into a musical episode. I'm <laughs> really so... too much me. That's what you can name. No, there's too never too much me in the Pam mm-hmm. podcast. But I stopped realize I start I stopped auditioning and started taking meetings. Mm-hmm. And I think that's even in an audition. There's a moment when you walk in and you're like, hi, we're talking and we're people. Now I'm going to do the piece. Now I'm going to do the work, which is the audition yep. to be someone else, by the way, usually. And then, and then I'm me again and I'm just a nice person. Yeah. That all they want to know is like, is she a lunatic? <laughs> Can we gonna, have her on set? Yeah. For multiple minutes. Yeah. Is she going to make life? Uh, scary yeah or um does she seem uh, you know i would like i always call it the hollywood lovely when they're like she's lovely and you're like oh you don't want to work with her i don't know she's lovely well, she's lovely she's lovely like i get that code word now but i think i was always um i i don't i i know this i'm doing it right now like my words jump around a lot my thoughts jump around a lot mm-hmm. so even in a pitch i'm i it takes a second. This is why I never did stand-up, because I don't think you can I think like you'd be incredible. I was just thinking, like, no. you'd be incredible for stand-up. No, I do one-person shows. I need 40 <laughs> minutes. I just need a full 40. I, I have a tight 45. <laughs> like, I, how many minutes in are we? I'm just now feeling okay. Yeah. <laughs> we're at... Uh, yeah, we're at, like, 20. I got the light a long time ago, is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. I just, but I don't see it that way. It's funny. Again, like yeah. it's funny what we're always kind of like on on alert to be aware of the cues to help us constantly on a moment to moment basis, like figure out is this going right? Is this going well? And I think it's that self consciousness that a is kind of a vital thing. You need it to be able to gauge whatever and, mm-hmm. and then execute how you want. But it's also just so debilitating because it's just so in your head that you're not there and you're not doing the part of like well do I like you yeah well and a part of it's what the job we're auditioning for is to be someone who helps shepherd a project you're not the one in charge Mm -hmm. so you're already a therapist yeah some version of a therapist do you like the script like this do you like the script like this do you want her to feel how do you want to feel when I'm done here yeah and so we come in with these arms of how do I help and that when you have a a showrunner for instance who doesn't know the answer to these questions Mm -hmm. you'll you'll destroy yourself yeah because they'll let you spin out with a hundred different versions of you and then in the end just be like I don't know I don't I don't know I'll go do it myself and then they walk off and you're like oh I'm worthless I gave you everything I gave everything and then some and it was never about you Mm -hmm. 
That's hard to that's hard to actually accept because you want just thinking about this a little while ago. Yeah, because we want to we want to come in and and save the day. Mm-hmm. Like you see me, you picked me. I want to show you that was worth it. I'm going to save the day. I'm going to home run here. Yeah. And they're like, that's not your job. That hits his or her job uh-huh. to, to do the home run. Yeah. You're someone who like throws to first. <laughs> Right? True that. And know that. We need to break that down and be very clear about what the job is and like what our roles are. And that can be really, you know, we can make it just blown out so much. And I, I mean, not to become, I mean, the feminist in me is just like, I'm just saying for what it is. I think it is a very predominantly female, whether it's programming, nature, nurture, whatever you want to call it. It's this just... I, I've talked to so many women, and it's. I feel like there's a very universal need to just need to be needed or need to be of service and helping. And I think there's something really, really beautiful about that, but I think there's a lot of really dangerous... Like, I don't want my daughter to be like that. You know, like, my hypothetical daughter. I don't want... I want her to want to help, and I want her to be somebody who believes in herself of having value yeah. and then providing that value and then also gaining value. But I feel like I've gone through a lot of my life exhausting myself trying to just be a value and not have it come the other way. Do you do this in your friendships? I have. Yeah, because I think this isn't a work. No, yeah. This is yeah. a very, like, it, work is just one arena where mm-hmm. that's happening and then it happens everywhere else. And that's mm-hmm. the that's the stuff that I feel like has been a really big shift and work in progress since literally since I turned 30. But I think you, it, we can pick our friendships without it becoming a financial problem. Uh-huh. And we can decide whether or not True. to keep the role that our families want us to have True. without a, a financial problem. But when you're at work, when you try to shift the role you've been given or change the game of that room or that job, because they're all different, yes, then you're risking you're risking your stability. Your stability, and your yeah. And security, and yeah. So that's going to trigger your needs, your need to be needed even more because that's what makes you feel safe. Right. So it's, that's why I was asking about your friendships. Cause I think I saw this play out in my own relationships. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to, to separate that and go, okay, well I, I know this about me. I know this about me and what's, how much of this is helpful at my job and makes me good at my job mm-hmm. and how much is, uh, actually just detrimental to my soul. Yeah. Cause the, the job will take it all. The job needs it all. It needs all your time, all your energy <laughs> And uh, give Do you have any extra back there? We'll take that too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's why there are a lot of divorces because it takes everything. Yeah. And, um, and some of them sometimes are worth it. You know what I mean? Sometimes you know at the end of it, you're going to be in a better place for the destruction that you've done. You know, I mean, you <laughs> I hope just, you don't have to. And yeah. You, 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 I suppose you don't try to do it. Yeah. Um, and I don't even I don't even mean like a divorce, but you know, like a personal toll. You get sick, you get the flu, right, right, like, right. I'm spent. There's I'm a, gonna, yeah, 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 yeah. And you do it because, damn it, like this one's worth it, or I know what I will get if I get through this war. Right. I know what's on the other side, and it's worth it. And I think the careers, like the, the conversation around careers and like life purpose, they've become a lot more parallel like they're converging a bit more now because before it really was just about stability and having financial security and being able to pay rent and mm-hmm. your bills but I think there's a lot more conversation now about feeling fulfillment in life and at work right mm-hmm. so your sanity and everything that comes along with that has that much higher stakes now I feel like it you know like you could be unhappy at work and it just didn't matter as much people are miserable but they're like I have a job and I'm 
I'm alive, like that's enough. And now I think maybe it's this entitled millennial generation or whatever. Um, there's a lot of emphasis on, am I going to feel good about the work that I do? Do I feel purposeful when I get up and I'm doing something that's contributing to the betterment of society or this industry or whatever? Mm. I feel like those things, that conversation's just been amping up more and more well, I don't, and how I'm, we fit into it. I feel like First of all, I, I, I don't enjoy when millennials get shit on because I feel I like this is every generation does this. Yeah. Like every generation has, has done this of like, not like you did it, man. Like yeah. I'm going to be happy. Yeah. You know, it was like, you weren't home or you made me raise myself or, and we just swing this other direction. Like, I, I'm going to be there for my kid for every fucking second of her life. Right? Every, and then helicopter. <laughs> yeah. And then you get helicopter parents and then you swing this other way of like, I'm going to let her pick her own thing. And then you have measles outbreaks. So it's like, <laughs> it's like, why we need to talk to mothers. Let more. her pick her own shots. Well, she's three, so she's going to pick zero shots, but it's, it's, it, I think that we're always asking that, that, you know, we're always asking that of ourselves of, am I, am I happy? And yes, sometimes you don't have the luxury. You just don't, you don't have the luxury to be happy in this, but who is like in the pie chart of life, right? Like generally something's fallen apart yeah. because you've done a pretty good job tending to these other things. And you're like, no, oh, you know, look at this <laughs> thing. yeah. Or it'll do it to you. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you how many leaks I have found in the past month because of all the rain here. And I thought, I thought my home was pretty airtight. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. I, I think, um, going back to just the idea of, are we, you said you said the stakes are very high to have like a, a happy all around like this happiness culture. Yeah, and maybe we're labeling it that mm-hmm. of, because we can brand somehow happiness. Yeah, right. People who there's a whole industry of like how to make you happy with this simplification of your life or this oversimplification of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know when it's like get rid of all your friends. <laughs> <laughs> Marie Kondo, mm. your life, not yeah. just your closet. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yes. I mean, that was, that was, uh, like that Gretchen Rubin thing of like, get rid of toxic people, get rid of toxic things, get rid of that house, get rid of that job. And you're like, well, m- that's not reality for most people. Right. I don't have the luxury to do that. Yeah. And so you find happiness with family or friends or food or, you know, you, you, we all, we find it yeah. or we get really, really lonely. And I think that personally I've become a person that really revels in the challenges. So I'm like, okay, if stress is like a constant and it's not going to go anywhere and nothing has proven otherwise, I'm going to learn how to make it the thing that gets me to the next thing. You just like embrace the sucky stuff. You mm-hmm. just learn how to roll with it. And it doesn't, maybe in a minor way it makes it less sucky, but I don't know. It's just, that's what I'm telling to most of my younger and you know I'm I know that I'm still young but I'm around a lot of younger people because of collaboration and Mm -hmm. a lot of our volunteers and I get to um go speak at colleges and things like that and I'm like get be okay with things being terrible Mm -hmm. you know life isn't all happiness Mm -hmm. you want joy and like you can derive joy from so many other things you can feel joyful even when you're in a crappy situation because you're like oh well I'm living my life purpose or whatever that means but like a lot of things I'm trying to say is stuff that my dad said to me that I resented him for and that I realized now he was totally preparing me because he would never he was very brutally honest and when you're you're seven that, that sucks to hear sometimes right but I feel like he he didn't sugarcoat things and I'm just like 
it's not that life is terrible, but there's going to be terrible moments. And if you're ready for that, or you're not expecting everything to be roses and catered food every day and, you know, benefits, uh, you know, that you get paid to go to Equinox every day and then work two hours, whatever. Like if you're not expecting that, I think you're going to be What was that job? Yeah. There's somewhere in San Francisco, <laughs> someone's doing that job wow. and making $300,000 a year oh, to just see, pay rent in a studio. I'm depressed. But I, <laughs> I think it also has to do with, uh, time mm-hmm. and our perception of it as we age. So, like, my daughter says things like, Mom, and I know she got this from us, but she loves to say, Mom, you don't understand. For you, time feels very different than for me because I'm six. So when you've told me I can't have my tablet until after dinner, that's, like, a lot of my life. Your daughter, okay, can we just talk about your kid? <laughs> we can talk about her in a second. But oh, my I, God. But this is what it means. So when you're in your 20s and you're having a rough time, it's a long time. It's a lot. It's a proportionally much larger part of your life. True. And you don't have the benefit of knowing what the other side feels like. Mm-hmm. And so it's, and you have no idea what it's going to look like. And, but as you get older and these terrible things happen to you, I mean, they're all terrible. They still f- hurt. Yeah. But there is a feeling of, there's another side. I've been through a tough thing before. I get yeah. on the other side of that. Yeah. And who knows who I'll be. Yeah. And what will still be around, but it'll, there's, you've had some kind of closure at some point with something fucking terrible yeah and it that's is, not this thing but it was it's terrible to sit in discomfort it's hard yeah and there's no guarantee of when it'll end also but, movies are too long right i know oh dear <laughs> tangent Tan- movies are too long and so then when you know like this is how many minutes yeah yeah oh god that's a whole other oh my gosh and i'm thinking of kenjin like we've had so many discussions on that um but i, I really want to talk about your kid and but in in your career with all the things that you've gone through, can you can we take this moment to acknowledge the Barbie incident? Because I really want to have that <laughs> talked about. Because I was just like, I didn't know that it was you. Because I had oh. heard about the Barbie thing, uh-huh. so I'm gonna let you tell the story, the Barbie thing. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to let you know that's when dots connected when we were at the conference, and I was like, I'm sitting next to her. <laughs> And my brain exploded. That's the Barbie person. The Barbie person. Human. That was incredible. The Barbie person human. Yeah. <laughs> can can we tell that story or you tell that story? Yeah, sure. I was at my friend Helen Jane's house. Um, gosh, I guess this was 2014. Sounds about right. 2015? I don't remember. Anyway, we'll look it up. Ballpark, yes. Because what is time? I'm on the other side of yeah, a we're lot on of the long, side. painful Time's really different in, right now than <laughs> it was so then. Um and she had a book for her kids called Barbie, I Can Be a Computer Engineer. When you flipped it over, it was another story called Barbie, I Can Be an Actress. But um, she couldn't be a computer engineer. <laughs> like, no. At the very beginning, Skipper's like, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I'm just, um, I'm going to need the boys' help to design the game. I'm just doing what it's going to look like or something like that. Yep. So anyway, uh, Helen Jane, who's... Uh, you know, who works in tech, her husband is a computer engineer. She was bummed because even the stickers inside were like, well, very girly, like computers are awesome. Or <laughs> They're super fun. They're super fun. And anyway, Barbie gets a virus and she literally needs these boys to like help her fix it. And they say things to her like, it'll go faster if we do it alone. <laughs> I was, yeah. And, um, the book made us, it just really bummed me out. And I was like, this feels like something that I want, I just got like, I want hashtags and memes. And I was like, I'm so angry about this because here you have this opportunity and 
on the although also when you held up I can be a computer engineer the flip book was upside down so it looked like you didn't know how to read Barbie I can be an actress which also by the way is like someone breaks her ankle and Barbie just knows all the lines like they it isn't real none of it was real oh my god so we there's uh, Helen Jane scanned it and uh, I went home and I wrote this thing called Barbie fucks it up again and uh, <laughs> just talked about how like uh, like every little moment when they could have done this but instead did this and yeah it's not the you know we're not mad at the Brian and Steves that's of course what the boys names were Brian and, Steve, Brian and Steve we're saving the day with this yeah. virus but like why not have a girl who helps and why does Barbie have to get a virus and why can't she teach Skipper how to design a game yeah. Anyway, um, I knew its potential for going viral because I'm not a stranger to that. And so I posted it with like, Internet, here's your thing to be mad about today. <laughs> and, <laughs> you just went. And then it went and it went very big and we had to like host it on Gizmodo. And then uh, I got picked up in a lot, a lot, a lot of places. I think like, I saw BuzzFeeding. That's probably where I saw it. Yeah. But it was like Good Morning America went to yeah. Helen Jane's house. Um, there were, I saw one newscast where this lady is following this lady in like a Vaughn's parking lot. She's like, ma'am, ma'am, have you seen this book? What do you think about it? And she's got her groceries. She's like, what? I I, am I, what am I mad about? Um, Barbie has computer. So they, Mattel issued an apology. They said the book was from 2010, you know, back when, back, way back, way back when they before women had humans <laughs> and, um, they had the, that they had humanity. Yeah. So they, they pulled the book, uh, as opposed to like reissuing it, but they then, um, changed their campaign and the next Barbie of the year, the career of the year was game developer Barbie. Which I have one of, and nice. she uh, they went and spoke with like oh, and then the thing that happened besides the internet sort of picking it up was um, Casey Feister. I might be, not be saying her last name correctly, but she created a thing called Feminist Hacker Barbie. She put the site, she put the book into a database, and people could come in and rewrite the book and rewrite it with actual how it actually works, how people to get together and develop a game, which was really cool. That's awesome. Um, and so Feminist Hacker Barbie became a big deal, which you might find on, like, Know Your Meme. <laughs> I have two giant accomplishments. I'm on Know Your Meme, and I'm in the Oxford English Dictionary. Nice. For what? <laughs> Muffin Top. <laughs> so there's always guys, that follow-up question. This is a moment. Yeah. We all need to take this moment. Yeah, it's true. You're... <laughs> I'll show you. Okay. <laughs> She's getting the dictionary. I love it. I don't have it. I have it. I have it printed out. Okay. Oh my god, this is amazing. This used to hang. Oh, oh wait, so closer to my. This used to hang in my bathroom. <laughs> oh my gosh. In your bathroom. I don't know. Where do you put it? Where I don't do you know. put the printout of you in the Oxford English Dictionary under muffin top? Not a picture. I stared at my photo. muffin top in horror. It was in, it was in one of my first early novels, and I guess it was one of the first. Like Lexus Nexus must have picked it up or something. That's so. amazing. Yeah, I'm, why moms are weird. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Why moms are weird has muffin top. I in just it. feel so honored to be <laughs> witnessing this very special moment. These are words that change our. I didn't make understanding. the word up. I didn't make it up. I just used the phrase. Yeah. I'm but cool. you, you proliferate. You let it <laughs> fly. <laughs> I sling slang. She sling slanged it. it. Gets That's me in the amazing. OED. So, okay. And so you're saying that 
You knew how the viral, so you knew that it was going to go viral? Well, I had a pretty good feeling that okay. it was the kind of thing that people would Oh, like, totally. I am outraged. And you know what was interesting? There, no, there were no haters on it. Oh. Now, someone went in question. and like started dicking around with my Wikipedia, and Helen Jane was like, I think I'm getting, um, like, we're, we were worried about getting docs and stuff like that, because it is that kind of thing. Uh-huh. But we didn't really suffer much of a backlash. There was very little of it because it was the kind of thing that was, come, it was one of those like, come on, like just yeah. do it. The, just, we're not well, asking you to stop. We're just asking you to be responsible to the little girls who and boys who are reading this. For sure. But that, I mean, honestly, still though, I'm, I'm still surprised because even there are so many come on moments that are very duh to us or to you or me. And it doesn't always go that way. I know. I think it's. I think Barbie has a lot to do with it too. You know, they're working really hard over it. <laughs> really, are. I did get calls from my friends that were in the tech world. Were like, man, they're talking about you at work today. Oh. Like this thing is everywhere. <laughs> like you were. They brought this up in a staff meeting at my Fortune 500 company. So I think, you know, Barbie has had these moments before. Math is hard, and all of this stuff. And right. So there's that. Mar- poor Barbie is. Often. Poor Barbie. I mean, no, I don't have a million degrees of sympathy for yeah, Barbie, yeah. but because she does bring it upon herself sometimes. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. But yeah, I think it's a easy one. It's not, what is the other side of that? Of like, no, leave her like this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Nobody is calling her a perfect role model. And, yeah. But, I, but because she's an institution, it does take this kind of action to to move the needle toward change, I think. Right. And, and when you can see it's just all of these people saying, come on, Barbie. Like, not even, you know, we're all being like, come on, Barbie. <laughs> you can do it. You can I be actually you. anything. You and so then they had whatever. the new ad campaign that was just called, like, you can be anything. <laughs> um, Pam, you've shaped all of our... Um, I mean, I it just meant a lot to me because I was a total Barbie fanatic growing up and you just don't like you don't know those things when you're a little kid which again I want to talk about your kid but I I didn't have that level of awareness of anything around me I was just a total kid 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 living in a kid world self-absorbed with kid things I had no understanding of the impact or thinking beyond like what is right here Mm -hmm. which I think your kid is total opposite she's like adult she's an adult she, yeah maybe she she already has too much self-awareness oh god sure. it's amazing sure. i just i look up to her i call her loophole jones she's always like well actually she can just find the one little thing well, where you're like really oh, though sure. it's fine you can have another slice of pizza um you know i will 100 percent credit sassy magazine mm-hmm. for that kind of awakening that i had where i stopped sort of blindly uh, taking the pop culture that I was given and started questioning what is it what is it trying to say to me yeah and what does it want from me um and I think that I I try to be mindful of that and the stuff that I make mm-hmm. that there's a that there's a reader and what am I asking of him or her and, and what do I want do I want anything yeah and do I need to ask for anything other than their um suspension of disbelief for a second and uh their inner child if it's you know a Disney movie, you know, things like that. You 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 have a responsibility to be conscious of the fact that someone does come to this with an open heart, right? And usually an open mind, an open mind, and they're sponging it all in, and yeah. and you're just like, where will this go? Yeah, I really annoyed my parents because I was like, 
you know, in my Greenpeace shirt, joining PETA, putting like furs murder things inside the pockets of the fur coats at the Palais Royal, like ready to protest the circus and the rodeo. And my parents were just like, please just go to school. Just go to school. And then at school, I was like, First Amendment. Um, I well, I moved a lot and I went to you know, I was uh, I went to twelve schools by the time I was in high school, and wow. so I'd been bounced around and seen all these different kinds of school systems. And and what was what blew my fucking mind was the day that I knew a teacher was wrong. In like the third grade, she was just wrong. She was Ooh. reading a word incorrectly, and I was terrified to tell her that's not what this word is. Was, I'm sorry, it was uh, sixth grade. Okay. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I've never seen a teacher. I just didn't know how to talk about it. And she got upset. She got a little defensive. But all, but to, that was when I was like, wait a minute. Like parents and teachers aren't always right. Like, and she wasn't trying to be harmful or anything. She just, you know, mm-hmm. just the, the school district just, we were in, unfortunately, was not, you know, a million percent. And, uh. Which is the case, you know. So I started realizing there were there were schools that didn't know what to do with me. Yeah, they're like she can read she can read things. I don't know. She's already or I'd already done that curriculum, the whole syllabus at a different school. Yeah, and then I got some great teachers who were like, "What do you want to read? If you've already read this book," and I was like, um, "Roots." And so I was really lucky. Like I was like, I want to read Roots. I want to read the autobiography of Malcolm X. And I'm in <laughs> these teachers. And you're like, 11. Uh, at this point, I was in uh, high school. Okay. At this point, I was in high school um, because I had come out of junior high in Jackson, Mississippi, and they weren't teaching. They weren't teaching any of this stuff. And I'm in a school that's you know 99% black, and I was and I was asking like what what are the stories that we should be learning? Uh-huh. And then I went to a school in um, a small town, Texas, outside Houston, and they were just like it was like the Scarlet Pimpernel or whatever, and it was like well this doesn't feel like it's asking me to talk about people, you know? I, I and so she just I had already read Romeo and Juliet. Uh-huh. And that's what they were doing, and so she was like, like well, what "Do you want to read?" That. And I just had already read it and seen yeah. the movie, and I knew I was like, "I can take this test. Can I read Roots?" And she was like, "Sure, like <laughs> you go for it." And then I just kept getting English teachers who would—I don't know if they talked to each other or whatever—but they would all say, "Well, what, what do you want to do instead?" That's amazing that they're asking you that because I feel like there's not a lot of asking in general of like between other between people. I don't know. I just I realize in general how few questions I've asked mm. really out loud to myself and to other people of things I really genuinely want to know. So I think that that's like I, I well, first of all, I'm understanding that you were just like born out of the womb in full Pam glory. And that's like amazing. So it doesn't matter where you go. It was just the essence was already there. No, I was very shy. But I feel like you had the curiosity probably like and then like the the fire or the the desire to my friends were teachers justice. Oh, you're making me put this together but because yeah. i was shy i didn't always have friends so i would talk to teachers uh-huh. and i would ask a lot of that's why it blew my mind when one was wrong because that just was not my world yeah and uh i always liked you know i always was close with the teacher that i had and so um i think i went from I, well, we were talking about empowering, right? I'm going yeah. right back to your first question was yeah. they were empowering me to ask the questions to, to say like, Hey, I don't, I don't like how this person's being treated or why is this rule this way? Yeah. And then it went right into like a punk 
place because I was in a, a, I got moved to a small town that had a lot of like clan and it made me really angry, you know, that it was just this accepted thing and what there were, you know, there were hate crimes happening in this, in the, this is why like now I'm like, at least the internet makes everybody know more faster because this is what I grew up seeing. Yeah. And it was scary to ask these questions, but I also had, I knew teachers well enough to know that they love their kids mm-hmm. and they would want to know what's going on with their students and yeah. they would intervene. And, and I don't know it allowed me to have a dialogue with teachers who would say things like, could you write that down? You know, they were encouraging wow. me to keep writing and stuff. Not everyone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had a few teachers who were like, I'm calling the principal. <laughs> You're like, that's enough. <laughs> yeah, very much so. She got really mad at me. Because uh, that class, she started teaching that slavery was not that big of a deal and that where else would these people have lived? And they were, some of them were treated very well with food. And, and I was like, and this was 12th grade. And I said, this is, and you have to know such a good kid. My husband calls me honor roll. I just like, this is not true. <laughs> she is not telling you the truth. Read Roots. Everybody needs to read Roots. And she was like, I will, I'm going to the principal. And I was like, I don't care. I don't care. This was an AP history class in the wow. 12th grade. And I was like, in this what is, city? Uh, it, it was, it's, uh, it's outside Houston. Oh, outside Houston. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean. It's now a different, it's a different school. Like I've, I've seen it. I, hopefully I haven't been back in a long time, but it appears to have gotten a little more progressive. It's just so interesting. I mean, like, well, I mean, I, to go back to the impairment thing, you don't get those cues unless somebody yeah gives you the agency to be like, yeah, you can question authority or you can ask questions if you don't agree with that. I don't know. It's just like that blows my mind because then things like that, like some a curriculum like that that is problematic and maybe tons of other kids in that class maybe are thinking the exact same thing. They probably still think the same. And still thinking the same yeah. thing, but they're never going to be able to externalize it mm-hmm. and just stay in there. Which is why I just think the whole, like, empowerment agency thing is so, so critical, and we should not ever, like, you know, as sick of the word as I'm feeling like I, but it's just because I'm saying it all the time, so I should just not overuse it. But um, it's so important, and that's why I think when I meet people, like, as bright and, and vibrant as you <laughs> and have so many great things to say— I met so many different types of people who have that same passion that are all different kinds of personalities, too. It's not just the ones that are, like— you and me who are like can talk and be like really sociable and, and and feel comfortable in doing that. I've met such shy people or some of the most brilliant people I've ever met. Right, yeah. And I've done public speaking trainings where like the quietest kid will will force them and we'd let them know that because that's what we're here to learn. Mm-hmm. And we'll be like, everyone's gonna talk, so get ready. And it's really funny. I've seen this year after year of this public tr- speaking thing that I do in San Diego of these the top uh, 15 and 16 year olds of these two high schools, it's always the quietest ones that have the best speeches. Mm-hmm. And then it's the loud mouths, the ones that are all attention, like, oh, I want to go, I want to go. And then they get up and they say three random sentences, and everyone's like, were we supposed to be impressive? Right. And it's just those moments of like, knowing that we we there's a necessity to give agency and a need to ask questions and a need to like, in a way, force, like gently. Well, but the thing is, they, they clearly knew how to communicate. Yeah. You were just asking to use a different microphone. Right. Or a different Instead of just writing it down, say it into mm-hmm. the thing. And they were they were so poised and so ready to talk. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. They were kind of having this aha moment like, oh. This is what I sound like. I can do this. Yeah. 
Yeah, and but I they don't have to. I am also like, you don't have to. Like, someone will say these things very loudly for you. That's what speechwriters are, you know? That's very true. <laughs> you find true. a charismatic human That's very to true. run your cult. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, wait. That's how fast it happens. So many docuseries are going through my head right now. Oh, God, Netflix. Um, but, and then speaking of agency and like just speaking, you know, strongly, can we talk about your kid for a second? Okay. Because I don't talk much about her, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. She's just. <laughs> that well, wasn't a joke. I mean, I don't usually in public talk about okay, her. Okay, got it. Yeah. So whatever you're comfortable yeah, with. I just, you. I just want to say for the record, I think. The things that you share with me about how she negotiates or like just her brightness or her awareness of, mm-hmm. of you guys and um, herself is just, she's delightful. And I've never even met her. So <laughs> that's right. You that's all I can say. My filter. Yeah. But it's wonderful that <laughs> you, bath time. you, I don't know. No, she's, I mean, it, it's, it, we, oh, right before I came here, um, I was, I was having breakfast with someone and this uh, these guys sat down next to us and one pulled up this giant basket, like a baby gift basket. And it was filled with books. Uh, and he was like, I just, I just got him. He was like, my, and we were like, look at this. And he was like, my friend just had a baby. He's like, these are books from like when he's very little and they'll just grow up with him. And it was from like one fish, two fish to, to kill a mockingbird. Wow. And, um, and I got so teary, you know, and I just turned to my friend and said, dads are so much better. (laughs) Dads are so much better these days. Oh, it's still is like, ooh. and so, uh, when I think about my kid, like it is, you know, she has, she has a completely different concept of adults than I had. Mm-hmm. She has a different concept of safety than I had. And she also has a lot of exactly who I was. And so there's this weird thing that, that I was not prepared for, which is you're just kind of watching you're a clone of you try it all again and you're just like oh like you know the day like oh here's what's really hard like taking her to school Uh and uh like knowing that feeling you tap right back into like your first day of kindergarten and I'm like I'm I was inconsolable and it was I'm I'm you know I'm mourning that she's getting older but I'm also like revisiting a little piece of me that was hurt and I get mad again. It's so strange. It's a really weird feeling. Like the, the safer she is, Uh the more I get kind of mad for me, for little me. It's Uh rough, man. Like probably should go to some therapy, but like, (laughs) I have a lot to look forward to. It gets, it gets funky and it gets weird inside you because you have these impulses to protect a, a, a thing that's not about to happen to her, but it's what was about to happen to you. To you. Yeah. And, uh, and it makes everything a little raw sometimes. And I have to say sometimes to her, like, I'm so sorry. I got, you know, I, I'm like, she said it. She said, how come you never get worried when I'm skateboarding or scootering, but like all these other things you get so worried. And it was because I, it's because I did that. I know that's why, but I was like, well, you seem very careful and thoughtful when you're on your skateboard and on your scooter. And so I don't worry about you. You're wearing your helmet, you're wearing all your gear. And I know you're thinking before you do a stunt. And I was like, sometimes when you just run, I get more nervous because you just, you have socks and no shoes and who knows what'll happen to you. Yeah. Um, but it's also, I, I, I feel comfortable when I see her reliving something I've been through in a way that I feel like is good. Yeah. It's a strange because I don't, the first thought I had when I first heard her cry when she was born was, and now she's her own person. 
Like she used to live inside me yeah. and she was not, we were one connected body yeah. that it like, she couldn't be her own person. Yeah. She needed me to become her own person. And then I was like, that's a, that's a human out there. And I, I can, my, my job is to make sure she's safe and fed and protected, but like, she is now going to make decisions, including like when she cries and when she sleeps. And it's crazy. It is. I'm getting like all sorts of, I mean, yeah. Oh, Pam, I've never heard. I mean, that's why I'm so fascinated. And I, and what I wanted to do with this podcast even was to just get more mothers to talk about it because I cannot imagine anything more terrifying Mm -hmm. slash fulfilling slash entertaining slash just educational as being a parent, but also just creating a human. And I don't feel like those stories are ever encouraged to be shared in the, you know, we all, we all know the feelings that have that, oh, mothers and the motherly love. And you know, that whole thing is kind of, it's represented out there in so many things, but like, I've never heard somebody describe parenting the way that you did right now. We talk a lot about it. Like there's this perfect little thing that comes out and then becomes a wonderful human. And that's the sweet version. Yeah. That's very lovely. That's lovely. That's how we talk about marriage too. I'm getting married. Oh, your whole (laughs) life is done. You know, like what? Congratulations. The end. Like, no, even the wedding is not the marriage in any way. Mm -hmm. Um, I struggled with deciding whether or not to have a, a baby because I thought, what am I, what you're putting a person into this world that's a huge responsibility. Mm-hmm. Like that's just to decide to create life and then someone has to live. Yeah. And things will happen to that person that yeah. you can't control. Terrible things will happen to her. Right. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't have the time. It's her most, it'll be whatever the first really, really, really terrible thing happens to her. And she's been through rough times. We've had sad things happen to us and it is proportionally a large part of her life already. Right. Um, you know, that feels scary to do that to another person. Yeah. Um, I think that's also what makes it so, like, so sacred. It's so, like, it's a huge responsibility. The fact that we continuously take that risk and, like, put ourselves in the position to take on that job and just say, yeah, well, let's do it. I think, for better or worse, it's, you know, I always, as, as dark and as real and as... Uh, I, I look at the way that I look at the world. It's very, very real. I want to have a very realistic, honest look at the world. But I still end with hope and I still end with positivity. Yeah. Because I believe in humanity. It, it pushes my buttons to, and it pushes me to a very far degree where I'm like, I can't believe in any of you anymore. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I have enough good things in my life that I'm like, no, I think we can, we can get past this. And I think parenting is probably one of the freaking hardest things that you could ever embark on. But like the fact that people do it, and still feel that it's worth it. And I've heard that from so many of my friends who are new parents. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, like you got to just cling to that hope and then like decide and you'll know, get up every freaking day and live that decision to like, I'm going to love this kid and they're going to drive me nuts and it's going to be hard. And yeah, I turned to that dad before I left and I said, listen, <laughs> you didn't ask, I'm not giving you advice. You didn't ask your advice. I was like, uh, you've signed up for six month options on a human the option will renew automatically every six months, but it is a different person. I said, every th- so the good news and the bad news is everything you love about this little person, 
uh, will like the, your favorite thing will probably change and your least favorite thing will probably change every six months. So take pictures and video of the things you love <laughs> and hang on tight. Cause that <laughs> shitty thing will just become some other shitty thing. Like it's it. Like it, it will morph. It, it does. Like she's a ever evolving human. And as soon as you think you figured her out, like she doesn't, that's it. She's just different. I mean, we're all like this, but proportionally I'm not used to it. <laughs> <laughs> It feels like she's been here a very long time and she's been 10 different people. Um, uh, there was one other thing. Oh, I was going to say that when I found out I was pregnant, I was inconsolable because I just assumed it would take a while uh-huh. and it just didn't. And, uh, and I said to the gynecologist, shut the door. she's like, what is the problem? And I go, you did this. You said, you said, you said, if I wanted a baby in three years, then I should start now. And you did this to me. And she was like, let's just talk about what the problem is. And I said, I don't know how to do what I've just signed up for. She said, I had just figured oh out gosh. this. I just figured out, like, I just learned this bike. And now I'm, uh, I've thrown the bike away and it's a bus. And I don't know how to drive a bus. I don't even know that I wanted a bus. And it's like, what is happening? I was thinking about the bus, yeah. but it wasn't. Yeah. And then she opened the door. She's like, I'm going to need a minute. <laughs> And she said, uh, I have two sons and I have missed, uh, two days of work. And she said, that was what was important to me. So that is what has happened. And she said, so right now you just start building your village and you just start declaring the kind of mom you want to be, the life you want to have, the career you want to have, and make sure that people are around to help you with that. You can't do it alone and mm-hmm. you won't do it alone. Find what's important to you and just make sure people know. Don't keep it inside and don't try and do it all. And I I don't, I mean, how, what a gift that was. Uh, I mean, I cried, I still cried for a long time, but I heard her at the door. She was like, she just needed some, she just needed some advice. And, uh, <laughs> but I'm grateful to that because I think about her a lot on the, on the hard days and wonder like, who, who do I need to talk to today? It doesn't necessarily have to be your kid or your partner or your mom or whatever. Like it yeah. might be a friend that you haven't called in a while, and you're like, "That is who we'll find today funny." <laughs> yes, <laughs> and find we'll the humor some perspective. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just remember because it can it feels lonely mm-hmm. at times. You're up in the middle of the night, and someone needs you to be awake. And you know, this is how I found. This is how I read Gone Girl. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just was being awake in the morning. You know, in a rocker with a baby who wouldn't really sleep if I put her down. And, um, you know, so you find... I had, like, a whole different life that first year because I had a nightlife where I wasn't sleeping. I was working all day on Moana, and then at night I would be with this baby. You're, wait, that was the time when you were working on Moana was when you were, when she was a newborn. I started on Moana when she was four months old. I love how we're this far into the podcast and we haven't even brought up <laughs> the fact that you freaking wrote Moana <laughs> and Wreck-It Ralph too. One of. Many, yes, one of. But, I, yeah, I started but, Moana when she was four months old and Moana came out when she was four years old. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What a time to be alive. Yes. <laughs> there was a point when I said at work, I have said the word Moana more than the name of my own child. <laughs> that is a problem. I might need to fix this. No. Uh, well, okay. We are getting up on the time, right? And I freaking love talking to you. But, like, and I do, I, God, I have so many questions. Like, 
just about your experience, but I don't know how much Disney will let you talk about yeah, Moana. That's true. And Wreck It Ralph too. But congratulations! Oh, thanks. You're nominated for a freaking Oscar. The movie. Well, the movie was. Yes. I say that to you because you. If it wasn't for you, it would thanks. not exist to and be nominated. Thanks so much. Thank you. And it's amazing. <laughs> um, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I feel like, you know, we, we set off on this journey of this conversation just to like see where it would go and what we would talk about. And I think the, the overall thing we talked about career, we talked about moving around, finding your voice from the time when you're an introverted, shy kid who's in the middle of Mississippi, Mississippi, was that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. To Texas, to becoming a mother and not knowing what the hell you're doing. I mean, there's so many different versions of ourselves and that takes a different relationship and a different job or what have you but the empowerment part i feel like is the 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 core of like what we talked about is that there's going to be people in your life that help you that really give you agency and give you the conversation or the resource or whatever the guidance or listen to your questions and listen to your questions they listen and they answer your questions or they or say i don't know i think your answer is over there right that's helpful too. finding someone who can say i don't know but I can help you find out. I'm actually getting better with that. That's a new development in my life. To admit that I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I struggle. <laughs> you and I are like... Because we were, I don't know how to say that. Like, my my kid has a hard time being wrong. I don't know where she gets it, but she, uh, we were like, <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't. She seems very worried about failing. And uh, my husband was like, we should probably like m- more mistakes should happen around her. And I said. Who can we get to do that <laughs> around her? Because it's not us. What? So yeah, so we started making mistakes around her, making messes, dropping things, just being, wow, and then being cool with it, you know? Yeah, like oops, yeah, ooh, or oh like oh, I tried this five different ways, or like drawing something, like that's a dog, and she's like, that is <laughs> what? No, that is not a dog. And I'm like, can you show me? I don't know how to do that. I need to learn, and you know, just. Really, it's been tough dumbing that's, ourselves down. <laughs> that's incre- that's incredibly brilliant. I think that's so brilliant to like to show that it's okay. You know, I same household. I did not failure was not an option. Yeah, yeah. what you wanted to live? What is this? Be- Where did the other three points go? Yeah, when brought home in ninety seven. Yeah. yeah, and not that she shouldn't still like she's doing well in school. That's important. Yeah, but to try something new and be afraid to try new things. When, you know, she doesn't have that fear physically, she'll jump off of the highest thing. She'll run right into something and not, you know, brush it right off. She falls, she gets back up. She watched me play roller derby pretty early on. I think that probably helped. But, you know, reading a word, she's getting better about it, but reading a word and missing how it sounds made her very nervous. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. I actually had a, a, a moment exactly like that very recently. I'm now sharing my th- with games. Uh-huh. I don't like playing games. Like everyone loves board games. Everyone loves. We have a new Nintendo Switch in our household, and it's all the rage. And I was like, I don't want to play it. And I was like, this, you know, it's you all. You grew up gaming at all? I did though, and I think something happened where I didn't like to lose. I don't like feeling like. If I did a team thing, I had an issue with rules. Like, I'm really, really bad at remembering rules. They just go out the window. You tell them to me, and it's like, what did you say? And so I was really good at basketball. Like, I could, I shot hoops with my brother all the time in our driveway. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a key. We didn't have lines. You just shot. So I was really good at shooting. Yeah. But I didn't 
remember or understand rules. So when I got on the basketball team in middle school, I would get whistled at all the time because I'd stand in some, you know, I just break some rule and I didn't know what the hell I did. It just happened. And you'd tell me and I'd be like, cool. And then I'd go do it again because it just <laughs> didn't register. Yeah. So something in there somewhere. And like, you know, I did, I did try things and I failed and it maybe those left certain kinds of marks. But I realized as an adult, I was like, I, I steer away from like, board games and from playing Nintendo with my roommates because I was like I don't want to be the one that sucks. You don't want to get the whistle. And I don't want to get the whistle and I don't want to fail and then everyone be mad at me because I'm the one that just didn't get it quite right the way everyone else did and I'm not as good as them. I was like I'm going to play I'm really good at jigsaw puzzles. Oh my gosh. I'm really good That's not a game. (laughs) (laughs) I know and I'm good at like solitaire like all the card games that you do solo I'm really Uh good at. And I was just like noticing that recently in this last year of my life that I was like, I don't like, hmm. Do you think Mm. it's letting people, well, maybe I I have, this is something I'm working on. I keep offering questions with a binary answer and there's more than one answer. (laughs) Um, Do you think it's a concern of, of being wrong in front of someone, letting a team down, hearing the whistle, which is you being like, I fucked it up again, or uh, not perfection. All of the above. All of the above. It's deep. 100%. 100%. And it was just like, it kept, kept coming up because yeah. like we're getting older now and we're not going to clubs and bars. We're yeah. like, hey, do you want to do a board game? I'm like, no. You're wearing the board game here? <laughs> mm. It's like, yeah. no. And I was like, why? It's so fun. I was like, I've literally never played that in my life. They're like, how have you never played X, Y, or Z? And I was like, what about game nights? Like sh- like charades and stuff. You I just, do? I would play by, f- it was peer pressure. So peer pressure does work on me still. <laughs> um but yeah, no, it was, I was very selective and if I could find a way and if I, especially around strangers that I was like really stubbornly, like I realized I want to impress, I would just be like, no, I'm, I'm going to make us some guac. I did this two, two weekends ago. I made guac for, and it was the best guac ever. And everyone's like, mm, and I guacked out, I guacked out of that board game <laughs> with the quickness and did something else that was like beneficial to the group and I was like I'm gonna let you play your game oh you mommed it you nurtured who wants guac and I got so much praise for that guac like this is the best guac I've ever had I was like you're welcome yeah but you know you don't well then you didn't take yourself out of the experience you just found the thing that made you happy yeah that's okay but then the second game so they played two games and the first one I told and I'm glad it was Minji and you were like I don't want to the second one was like (laughs) word association yeah and I killed in that game and I was like oh you know it's just yeah I'm finding it but I'm also trying to challenge myself as a grown woman just try it do you do improv I did. Do, I love improv. Well, look, what's that? Yeah, it's just a game. So that that so that I guess there's certain games that I feel more comfortable and more willing to be like, okay, I'm I'm down to fail in yeah, this. There's only like two rules in improv, right? It's great, <laughs> but you still want to be the one that like did a kid laugh or like did it yeah. work? Did yeah. they catch on? But yeah, so there's just all these different things. We're always growing, mm-hmm. and I'm recognizing as a as you it know, could, it could be things. a phase. Yeah, right. these are these aren't like. And then I gave up games. Right, that's that's what I was afraid of. But then I was like, and then I made the choice of like, next time someone offers me, hey, do you want to play this? And even if I don't want to, I'm gonna give it a shot because you know what? Three out of four times, I've enjoyed myself. Mm-hmm. There are times where I was like, this sucks. I don't know why I'm doing this. They have some games like Hi Ho Cherio. I'm just telling you about um, games for three year olds where everyone wins. <laughs> I'm down for that. That'll be my gateway game. Yes, that'll be a gateway game. But I'm excited to play. 
Yes, I'll be excited. And I also want to be not a sore loser, you know? Like, you have to learn these things and just be like, good job, congratulations. Yeah. I wish I won. I'm going to win next time, but, like, good job for you. And really mean it. Those are These are growth things. So whoever wants to play Scrabble or Shotzi or whatever these games are, Trouble. I've never played Trouble. I've never played Life. I've never played Monopoly. That got really competitive you've never played why you were not a game house growing up we we had games mm-hmm. and my brothers played games mm-hmm. like you were making guacamole i was probably you know yeah or like watching a celine dion music video and trying to think of my future as an artist <laughs> my husband's not a game person so i i get it he also was like well i've never played Candyland." we were oh, like, i loved Candyland. that's when i was younger and i was like free yeah <laughs> Different phases. Yeah. And I love that you put that, like, you know, option. Six months will continue to yeah. evolve. You'll be a new person. So that's that's why we're sharing this with everybody who's listening. We're empowering you. Empowering you. <laughs> giving you agency. Ask questions. Believe in yourself. Yeah, find someone to talk to. And then ask them to play a game. Yes. I'm so, de- I'm like really inspired now. I was like, <laughs> if someone offered me right now, I'd be like, yes, let's do it. Seriously, six hours ago, I'm like, hell no. Yeah. I There's have, a game house around the around the corner. From someone invited me. Yeah. And I said no. <laughs> Let me tell you, I'm intimidated to go there, and I live very close to it, and I've just been like, I don't know. I'm not a real, like, see, I, even here, I know how to play. I can pick it up. I, you can figure these games exactly. out. I'm still like, I don't want to <laughs> disrupt the flow of professionals. They're, they are not professionals. And yet, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> There's like level sevens or something. I'm yeah. sure. Full, I, yeah, I could like, do that. I don't have even one badge. <laughs> the things we struggle with. But in any case, um, wonderful work with your your little human that's becoming an awesome person via Twitter and your Instagram. <laughs> I just I'm so grateful that I have awesome women in my life that I I'm meeting every day. More and more people that I'm like I really feel like I can look up to. And maybe that was something that. I didn't seek out when I was younger, but now I can do with more consciousness and be like, I want to be around these people yeah. and I, I want to learn from them and I want to just like share space and that's great. And people are willing. So I'm like, well, you know, it's great. there's more people to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just mean when I was looking for someone, there was all, there weren't a lot of women. There were so few. You just like latch on yeah. to the one or two and be like, teach me everything before you leave. <laughs> Your time is precious. Time is so short. Yeah. So now, yes, it's nice that there are all kinds of different women and you don't have to be this. They're looking for this one kind of woman to do this one kind of woman job. Right. And now it's just humans. It's humans. Yeah. And I love it because having done the collaboration thing of being the leader of that and being in that role for 10 years, I realized over those years how much my being able to receive that um, request of me Mm -hmm. has changed too. Mm -hmm. Because now when I get asked um, from like different volunteers or artists that I work with in collaboration, they're like, can I take you out to coffee? Can I pick your brain? There's still a part of me until recently that was like, I didn't believe that I was somebody that they would seek out to like advise them. So even that's changing and like, you know, it all kind of ripple effects. And I was like, I'm talking with this 22 year old young man Mm -hmm. who wants to know, being a producer and like pursuing something different. And how did I talk to my parents and like, he's seeking me out. And for some reason in my head, the default was that only girls would ask me or, you know, like, or like that's kind of all that I thought would be normal. And I was just primed that way. But Hmm. then that, those things have shifted. And now all of a sudden in that one conversation, it's completely 
Yeah, anybody can ask me anything. They're see men as humans, too. They are humans. <laughs> That's so By mean. golly, who knew? <laughs> it's great. I thought you were going to say, like, you weren't in your 60s or something, so what do I have to teach? But you were just like, what would a dude need to know about me? Like, I, I the thing is, you would get where you are just by waking up? No, the thing is that I, I, I felt like I have things to share with that young man, but I never thought that a young man would seek me out. I just don't, you know, I've seen a lot of, because, you know, there have been, uh, like, less quantity mm-hmm. of female leaders. Like, mm-hmm. from my experience in collaboration with the Asian American community, I was one of very, 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 very few women. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's like, well, if you're looking for a leader to yeah. talk to, you have a ton of guys to ask, very few women. Mm-hmm. In my brain, I think it's just like, it wasn't even something I was thinking about or conscious about. I'd be like, oh, he's asking me. Yeah. And that's great. Like, cause I'll give a perspective. You can talk to whoever else and they'll give their perspective. But it was that, it was a, a little bit of an aha moment where I was like, oh, young man's asking me and yeah. I was not asking another dude where I thought like, oh, what do I have to offer? Well, I think he'd like to be like you. <laughs> oh God, that's scary. <laughs> but fun. And maybe if we're in alignment, whatever. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much, Pam. Yeah. Thank I you. I adore you. This was fun. This was this so is fun. not what I thought we were going to talk about at all. I didn't either. <laughs> I'm glad that we opened it up and just let it flow because there's so much that, you know, we don't have to have everything boxed in. No. And it, no, we're not, I'm not on a press junket. (laughs) Yes. That's why my answers are so long. (laughs) This is the best part. Um, Can you share where people can find you if they want to look you up or like see your work or like just go to Disney? (laughs) I'm easy to find on Twitter. It's my full name, Pamela Ribbon, R-I-B-O-N. Um, I'm currently adapting my graphic novel, My Boyfriend is a Bear, for uh, a live-action movie for Legendary. Which is amazing! My Boyfriend is a Bear is about a 28-year-old girl in East L.A. who dates a 500-pound American black bear. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you like um, uh, romances, uh, I wrote it, and Kat Ferris is the illustrator. She's extraordinarily talented, and it's through Oni Press, and you can get it wherever they have books. So excited. Yeah. I can't wait to see this. I mean, and I was there, I got to see Wreck Your Ralph too, and I didn't know that I was, I forgot that you told me that you're gonna, your voice was going to be in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which one? Presents? It was Snow White. Snow White. Snow White. Yes. Snow White. Mm-hmm. Pam's was, she, she took one for the team <laughs> and voiced Snow White in Wreck Your Ralph 2. Ralph breaks the internet. That was so amazing and uh, hilarious. That pr- every princess thing was just, <laughs> it was it, a lot of fun. It was everything. Those are the princess stories. I was like, let's, everyone who came out of that movie was like, can we make the movie about that next? It is a very common question. Yeah. 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 So (laughs) speaks a lot to the people who created it. Um, But thank you so much for being on the podcast. And if you are a fan and you enjoy this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you would like to subscribe, uh, do subscribe and leave a five-star review. And you can find, uh, first of all, podcasts on iTunes, which is now Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio Public, and... And Spotify and anywhere else that you find your podcast. And shout out to Marvin Yue, my audio engineer, my producer. And thank you to Aquafina for use of her song Yellow Ranger. And I hope that you guys consider becoming a patron of uh, First of All Podcast. And you can do that by becoming a patron on patreon.com slash first of all podcast. And I'm also a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, which is a collective of Asian American storytellers and podcasters. And 
This is Minji Chang and Pamela Ruben signing off for this episode. And I hope you all have an amazing week. Bye. Bye. I got this all up on my LinkedIn. Proficient and spitting, turning red when I'm drinking. Emancipating pussy like I was Abe Lincoln. Squirting out that Kool-Aid to lot of that just sick Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. We're the host of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Every month we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a wide variety of genres from contemporary to historical fiction, fantasy to memoirs, and crime thrillers to romance. Some of our past book club picks are Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho, and Devotion of Suspect X by Keigo Higashino. We also go over what's new in the Asian American literary world and chat with some talented Asian authors about their work. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.